Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is the West Block Politics, Perspectives, and Players. Now, Prime Minister Trudeau and his government came to power with big promises to Canada's Indigenous population. Justin Trudeau vowed that if elected, his government would implement all 94 of the recommendations that was put forward by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, plus ensure clean water for reserves and significantly increase funding for First Nations schools. Three years later, the government admits it is facing some challenges in fulfilling some of those promises. Joining me now is Carolyn Bennett, the Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations and Northern Affairs. Minister Bennett, welcome to the show. Great to be here. So let's start with how you would right now describe Crown Indigenous Relations. Well, I think we're working hard at rebuilding the trust. I mean, I think it's been difficult, 150 years of broken promises. We sort of know this isn't going to happen overnight, but we just have to steadily work uh, in what the Prime Minister described, a, a new relationship based on recognition of rights, respect, cooperation and partnership. And I think as we try and do everything together, um, that it is, it sometimes takes a little bit more time, um, but it's about getting it right, as the Prime Minister so says. We will take the time to get it right, but I think we've got a, a lot of really good things to show for um, the time that we've, we've been building and rebuilding the trust. What are some of the most difficult objectives for you to meet? I think the most difficult is still the trust. Um, the, the, our partners, the First Nations, Inuit, Métis, have every reason to be cynical. Um, they, I think, can almost tell when something's not authentic or gen genuine, and we are really trying to, to do things differently. It means that... Uh, uh, that on trying to get out of court, trying to move from that adversarial relationship uh, to one that really is about a, a partnership, it needs to feel like a partnership to our partners. And so, you know, we feel this is a, a journey of reconciliation. It's not a destination that the Crown and Canada will always have to be corrected on the path in terms of whether this is you know, slipping back to paternalism, father knows best, or whether does this feel like a partnership? And I think as uh, as Grand Chief Sui says, it's a marriage, not a divorce, and that we actually need to make sure that it, it feels like the kind of marriage where people have, uh, you know, uh, good conversations uh, uh, on the journey. Well, and, and trust makes, makes so much sense, especially on this file, but there's also some serious difficulties when it comes to things, I'd imagine, like infrastructure and access. In the fall economic update, the government actually laid out in many pages, in nice little charts, uh, all the different objectives it was trying to reach, and the ones when we went through and analyzed them and counted them that had the most difficulty being implemented were all related to the Indigenous file, uh, or the, the vast majority of them were related to that Indigenous file. Why is it so difficult to accomplish things on this file? I think it's that the, the gap was so great. So when you're closing gaps, you're not going to be comfortable until those gaps are closed. And so that that whether it's housing or whether it's education and schools or whether it's the the kind of health centers and, and transportation, there are so many things that needed to be tackled. And that's why I think the Prime Minister... Um, rightly decided um, that that it would require two ministers to do that. Uh, 21 years ago, the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples had had advised that, and so for Dr. Philpot to be moving on those quality of life issues, so that 
that I and our department can focus on that path to self-determination to make sure that that eventually it really does feel like government to government and and where those programs and services will eventually be delivered by First Nations, Inuit, Métis governments and or institutions. And I'm pretty excited that uh, over half of the Indian Act bands are now at a table negotiating um, self-determination, whether it's child and family services or education or their fishery, that we are, I think, have... Uh, I think an exciting um, sort of future where the young people feel hope that they will one day be in charge of of their own government and their own programs and services. No longer this paternalism and well, and and uh, and all of the things that have gotten the way before. On that file, and and your government's promised significant sums of money and sovereignty to First Nations. Are you at all concerned about accountability there with with where that money is being spent and how? I think it, when you work on government to government, it means that, that our partners are also working on accountability and value for money and all of those things. The, the, the First Nations Financial Management um, um, Board and all of those people are working to build capacity, build governments and make sure that, that their governments are accountable to their people. And so it's that again. How do, you, how do you ensure they're accountable, though? Because I know your government got rid of uh, the disclosure that the Harper government had put in for some chiefs to show where their money was going. So how do you ensure that accountability? It's about results. And so you know, when this story I probably tell the most often about Chief Leroy Denny, the chief of Eskasoni, that you know when the Mi'kmaq got control of their education system, uh, that uh, was the day he decided to become a teacher. Um, at that point, 30% of their kids were finishing high school. Now almost 90% of their kids, 20 years later, are finishing high school. That's the kind of accountability and results-based approach that we want. And that that's, allows governments to, to say language and culture really matter. For decades, centuries, governments of Canada or the Crown has thought that language and culture was some sort of extra if you could afford it. We now know that the secure personal cultural identity of somebody there is their self-esteem, their resilience, their, and that, that when kids are proud of who they are, as proud First Nations, Inuit, Métis, they, they have healthier choices. They have better health, education, and economic outcomes. And, and so it is listening to the elders, listening um, to, to the educators that, that we are able to move forward and achieve much better results. The National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls is set to deliver its report soon. It has been plagued by a lot of administrative problems, complaints by Indigenous people about how the system has listened to their testimony and whether or not it has been really seriously engaged. What do you expect from that report? So I think that there's no question it had a bit of a rocky start. I think that then as they got out listening to families that people were were impressed that they this was... They had a lot was, of senior staff turnover. Yes, but, but I think this is hard work. Hard work. And and so 
to be trauma-informed, culturally safe, all of those things, that that has been important. Their interim report was really important in terms of it, the compilation of all previous reports and recommendations. And I'm pretty proud that we were able to respond to that with, uh, with investment in, in healing and commemoration, a, a new unit within the RCMP on, on best practices and other, another way of, of improving policing. And so I think that, that they, that the families have felt, um, heard um, on Friday at the closing ceremony there was a very important um, you know some of the activists that had been fighting this for for 10 years said thank you we got the the inquiry we'd been fighting for and uh, we look forward to the final report and being able to do exactly what we said put in the concrete actions to stop this terrible tragedy your government committed to implementing all 94 of the recommendations by the Truth and Reconciliation Report. You haven't managed to implement a large number of those. Do you think maybe you overpromised? Was that a realistic promise? Well, I think that that again that they were excited by the progress. Uh, that in terms of in terms of well underway, we are doing very well. There's some that that are more difficult, and then there's some that that really are the responsibility of other jurisdictions or law schools, um, curricula within high school. So, but I think that we're seeing that now the real, the real benefit of a whole of government approach, the first five are about child and family services, that that and, and legislation to me, and I think Murray Sinclair will say those first five are the most important ones if we can stop children being removed from their families, removing them from their culture and language, that this will be a you know, a real remarkable change because it's that that we heard about in Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. Attachment to the child welfare system, uh, a child abuse, those kinds of things are so important. We will set up uh, um, shortly that four of the calls to action are a reconciliation council that would actually hold Canada but all jurisdictions to account on the progress, not only on the calls to action, but the big picture of reconciliation. And I, I look forward to that because I think we should be accountable um, for uh, our promise in the calls to action, but also the bigger, the, that bigger project of reconciliation for Canada. And we need all Canadians to feel part of it, as, as the amazing Max Fine Day has said in his op-ed piece. Minister, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, anytime. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us there on YouTube as well. That's all the time we have for today, as we mentioned, but we'll be back next week. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for The West Block.